Welcome to AMP's Simplifying Super Podcast, the podcast that calls on the knowledge of AMP's experts to help demystify the often complex world of superannuation and retirement. I'm your host, Adam Masters, and in this episode, we talk once again to John Perry, one of AMP's resident superannuation gurus. Today, we discuss one of the most common questions AMP's advisors get from their clients what happens to their superannuation when they die? John, Welcome. Good to be here. So John, let's get straight to the point. What happens to a person's super if they were to pass away? Okay. Well, the, there's a number of point, key points to unpack here, Adam. Um, and the first point to note is that super is generally not dealt through a person's will. As a will only covers assets that are owned personally. And, and listeners would, would associate with that things like a house or a car, their investments, their savings, and even their personal items. Uh, superannuation is actually held for members in a trust by the super fund trustee and effectively is governed by superannuation law, which is why different rules will apply. So in the event of death, uh, a super fund must pay a death benefit to one or more people in your life who are eligible to receive it. And to do this, the super fund must be given instructions as to who is to receive a superannuation death benefit. Mm, That's pretty interesting. Um, Okay, so John, can you then outline who can actually receive this super death benefit? Sure. Well, the legal term is effectively an eligible super beneficiary. And and to help our listeners, this might include people like a spouse, which includes a de facto and a same-sex partner spouse, but not a former spouse. It'll include children, regardless of age. Um, Anybody who's financially dependent on the person when that person dies or the estate or the legal personal representative of that individual. So the instruction to the Superfund trustees is done in writing and is called a beneficiary nomination. You're nominating which of those people or or entities you want to receive the benefit. Now, most super funds will give members several options as there are different types of nomination that that can be chosen, which could give greater control over how your super benefits are distributed. Okay, so what are the nomination types? Um, Could you also give me an example? Definitely. Um, There's a few different nomination types. Um, There's there's a thing called a binding nomination. Okay, keywords there, binding and nomination. These are where people are nominated to receive the proportions as specified by the deceased. And and Superfund trustees effectively bound to distribute the assets in this way. So it's, it's very, very important. There's no, room, no wriggle room here. They have to provide the benefit. And these binding nominations uh, do expire and they need to be renewed every three years. Uh, the second form is, is, is a non-lapsing binding nomination, which is um, very similar to a binding nomination. And it's usually found in a self-managed super fund. And, and the, the only point of differentiation is that a non-lapsing binding nomination does not expire and doesn't have to be renewed. The third type is called a non-binding nomination. So this occurs where people nominate who they would like to receive the death benefit. However, the trustee of the super fund gets to basically to have the final say. There's some discretion as to who can receive the benefit, so the end result could be very different. And finally, there's the scenario of no nomination, where the superannuation fund death benefit will then either go to the estate or the trustee of the super fund will then make their own inquiries and determine who should receive the death benefit. Sounds like there's a lot to consider. Um, John, what do you suggest our listeners should do to ensure that they have made the right decisions with their existing super nominations? Well, there's 
several things that they can certainly check, Adam. Um, they can check that their super fund offers denomination arrangements that suit their circumstances. So you can make some inquiries with the super fund by the website or ring up the call centres. They can help you out there. They should also check that the persons that they've nominated are still correct and are eligible to receive this benefit. Okay, so that's why looking at this on a regular basis makes a lot of sense. If they plan to nominate their legal personal representative, then they should make sure that their will is up to date. This is one of the few scenarios where you can nominate your estate to receive your death benefit, but you've got to make sure that your will is up to date to deal with it. And if the nominations are lapsing, then they can make sure that they review them and renew them before they expire. So given the complexity in this area, it's usually a good idea for listeners to talk to their super fund or get some advice in this space. Okay, um, so is there any tax payable on super death benefits? Um, it will depend on who receives the death benefit and in the form in which it's paid, whether it's paid as a lump sum, an income stream, or a mix of the two. Yeah. Now, generally speaking, super death benefits paid as a lump sum to a tax dependent, which is effectively defined as a spouse, a child under the age of 18, or someone who's financially dependent on the deceased, well, those payments are generally tax-free. For non-tax dependents, and that's generally defined as, say, as an adult child who's working, lives in their own house, you know, isn't dependent on the deceased, well, the tax will only be payable on the taxable component of the lump sum super benefit. There's two components, taxable and tax-free. The tax-free one, there's no tax, but on the taxable component, um, the tax they'll pay on that can range up to a maximum tax rate of 15% plus Medicare, um, on one part of it, and if it's funded by insurance, the tax could actually increase up to 30% plus Medicare. Now, where the death benefit is paid in the form of an income stream, and that usually will only apply where it's paid, say, to the spouse of the deceased, well, the tax treatment will then depend on the age of the deceased and on or the age of the beneficiary. There's this little test they do. Generally, no tax is payable if either the deceased or the beneficiary is aged 60 or over at the time of death. Um, so tax-free income, not a problem. If both are under age 60 or, um, or, or one of them, say, is under 60, say the beneficiary, then there may be some income tax to pay on the income stream until the beneficiary reaches age 60. Again, the rules are complex and I would suggest that people seek some advice on this. John, thank you once again for your time. It's always great to talk with you. For our listeners, if you'd like further information, please visit amp.com.au forward slash super. And remember, it's always important to consider getting expert advice before making any financial decisions.